Welcome to Focus, a productivity podcast about more than just cranking widgets. I'm David Sparks, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Mike Schmitz. Hi, Mike. How are you today? Hey, David. Doing good. How about yourself? I am excited about today's show. We're going to be talking about mind mapping and focus and you know, just the whole process and uh, stuff like this gets me excited because I do feel like processes can help with the focus. Absolutely. But before we do, we have an announcement. Yes, uh, we are going to be doing the focus calendars again. I know we've had a, a few people who have reached out to me and and uh, probably you as well uh, directly yeah. via via Twitter asking, are we going to do the, the calendars again? The, the answer is yes. Uh, there has been some issues with the printing, and it's not uh, Jesse at New Year's fault. Uh, he's got to work through some stuff, it sounds like. But I think he's just about uh, done with that and uh, got the okay from him to pre-sell the calendar. So by the time this podcast is published, you probably will not be able to get a calendar shipped to you that day, but they will be available shortly after that and definitely arrive before the new year. So you'll have plenty of time to do all your planning on the calendar and it will be uh, essentially the same thing as last year's version, all the same features, dry erase, portrait and landscape on either side. And uh, yeah, so I've got mine mounted on foam core behind me. I know you've got one as well and we're going to do it again for 2023. Yeah, I love it. The, The upgrade this year was I did take it in and have it mounted to foam core and it's been great and I've been using it all year. I was telling you uh, before we started recording, you know, I hang it now in a spot that's really easy to get to. And I really like the commitment of, you know, filling out the calendar. I use it for like uh, a point, uh, big uh, events. Like if I'm out of town, if I'm doing work on a field guide, things like that is what I use it for. So I can just glance over at any hour and see it. Uh, this year, Daisy has figured out that that is something that I look at frequently and now she adds to it too. She has taken the color orange and when she's going to be out of town or when she wants to make sure I'm at one of the kids plays or something, it gets on that calendar. And that's a great way to make sure that I keep up with my family commitments too. So I, I just love this calendar. Um, there's something to be said for having the whole year on your wall. And I feel like, what is this? The fourth year we've done this. It's, it's really kind of evolved over time and mm-hmm. I really like it. Yeah, we've added new things over the year. Uh, over the years, if you hadn't gotten this uh, this year's calendar, there was a bunch of new things that we've added, like the habit tracker and the things like that. Uh, so there's like little circles so you can track your your different habits. And I have mine. I'm use I use them different colors for days that I'm fasting and days that I go for a run in terms of training for like the races and things that I do. So. Uh, I'm really happy with uh, the calendar. I'm thrilled that we're able to do it again this year. We've got actually one additional thing which is going to come with uh, with this new version. Uh, Jesse has been talking to me about some new products that he has been working on, and I collaborated with him uh, back and forth on creating this daily planning sheet. It's essentially a formatted PDF, which is kind of how I would design uh, a blank page for planning my day. We've talked about how we do the time blocking and I do it with the fancy pen and, and paper. Well, I've experimented with uh, doing it in the, the Remarkable. And this is one of the tools that I've been using for the Remarkable. Uh, it's going to have uh, different sections for like, you can plan every hour of your day on the left, and then you can have your up to five most important tasks. Capping that is intentional. So you have to select the things that are most important room for your highlight for today. 
uh, gratitude, what would make today awesome, things like that. So this will be available as a digital download uh, with the cost of the calendar. You can throw it inside of GoodNotes or Remarkable, something like that, and use it over and over and over again. But that's going to be uh, no additional cost with the calendar itself. Yeah, I think we've got a really great offering this year. And uh, I would really encourage you to take a look at this. And uh, the reason we went with Jesse and New Year is because the calendars they make are just top quality. There's a lot of care put into the design. And that includes the one that we make for Focused. And where else are you going to get a calendar that every day tell you, that tells you that life is more than just cranking widgets, right? I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, But having it all there in one day, get a dry erase marker, and you're off to the races. Uh, like Mike said, it has both vertical and horizontal uh, if on opposing sides. A good friend was over here, and she said she got it last year, and she's been using horizontal this year. She wants to go vertical. You don't have to buy a different calendar. You just turn it over. It's right there. Um, <laughs> right. So uh, so go check it out, and uh, we'll put the link in the show notes, but it's newyear.net slash product slash focused, and um, we hope you uh, check it out. Yes, and if you're curious about the cost, uh, it is $30 plus shipping, and I know that uh, shipping can be a pain for people who are overseas. Apologies, there's not a whole lot we can do about that. But uh, with the cost of printing going up, we wanted to keep the, the cost as close to, same, close to the same as we could. Um, and like I said, this also includes that digital download for planning your day, which I think is a great compliment. You know, you've got the calendar, which is showing big picture. And then on the other end, you what are you going to do today? Uh, I think this is a, a great tool that, that people will, will get a lot of use out of. And like Mike said, if you're on an iPad and you've got good notes, you just save it as a template in there and you're off to the races. I've done something similar and i've been testing this one out i can't wait to to start using it under fire all right uh today though we wanted to talk about mind mapping and um you know what it is how it works why it it relates to focus and and how we are succeeding and not succeeding with it so let's just dig into the weeds on mind mapping mike um how how did you get introduced to the concept yeah uh i'm pretty sure that my dad introduced me to the uh, the concept of mind mapping because I have, for a, a long time, worked with a family business. And uh, I remember, actually, when I was real young, the business was in our house, so it was inescapable. But over the years, I got pulled into different projects. I helped with uh, some of the, the development of some of the products and things like that. And I remember distinctly my dad, when he was um, just kind of brainstorming what was going to be in this product, I must have been 15 or 16 years old. And he puts the name of the product in the middle. And then he starts drawing all these like spider legs out from it and writing things on the legs. And I was like, what, what is this? You know, so he was explaining to me, it was a mind map. And I got to see how it kind of grew and evolved as he was fleshing out the idea for this product. And so it instantly clicked with me uh, once I saw him, him do it, that this was a really cool idea and uh, was something that I wanted to apply myself. The the methods and the tools have changed over the years, but it's kind of something that I, I grew up with, I guess. Yeah, I really think that you know the idea of visual thinking is something everybody should consider, especially if you have trouble with like a traditional outlining or you know more linear thinking type uh, tools. Um, I discovered it in the L.A. Superior Court one day, and I was sitting there waiting for a court appearance, and the guy sat next to me opened up on a, a tablet computer and this is like not an ipad this is 
goes back a while. And it was, you know, when tablet computers were made by people like Gateway and they had like, they were like an inch thick and they had big fans and, you know, it was just a different, different world. Right. But he was working on this app on his tablet computer that was, like you said, a bunch of circles and lines. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> and why, you know? And of course he was a nerd because he was doing it very early in the game and, and shared it with me. And I, I immediately saw the benefit of something like this because I'm very much a visual thinker for me, seeing things, being able to move them around really helps me process stuff. And, um, and so I, I've been interested in it for a long way, but back then when they, when my maps were first a thing, the software was ridiculously expensive. Like it was like $500 to get a mind mapping app in early days. And they, uh, those apps couldn't hold a candle to, you know, the apps we're going to talk about today. Um, but it really was a high end kind of like, sold as a high-end tool for very important fancy people i remember that uh and that was a big reason why i i think i first came to it via the analog tools is because i just didn't have the means to even consider doing it digitally and to be honest for a long time it never even crossed my mind that that would be the ideal platform for that sort of thing makes total sense now but at the time you if you drew a a, a branch too close to another branch and it looked kind of goofy oh well you know it didn't <laughs> you just kept going uh and even the perfectionist in me you know had no trouble just moving on from those those uh, imperfections I, I don't know what it was it was just this is the way that this works and uh you're not always going to be able to erase this and and try again and it was almost like the the what it looked like was secondary it was the the actual act of creating the branches and writing in the titles that was the the real value that was being delivered as your brain going through that exercise yeah i I want to talk more about what a mind map is but just to kind of finish the thread on analog very early what i would do was buy those big sticky pads they they make um sticky pads that are like two feet wide by three feet long and they sell them for the purpose of like when you have a brainstorming meeting in your team and you get the big sharpie out and you stick it on the wall and people yell things out and you write it down and you you move them around the walls because they're sticky and what i would do is i would get one of those and lay it down on top of my desk at work and just stick it to the top of my desk and I would use a pencil instead of a big, thick Sharpie. And as I was preparing for trial or working on a thorny problem, I would just start writing ideas on it. And it was sitting in front of me all day. And I would just keep adding to it. And that was a very efficient use of mind mapping for me because that's where I learned the lesson of, of going back to them frequently is really a, a really helpful tool. But yeah, so my, my start in this stuff was analog as well. And uh, we are going to get into digital tools, but before we get there, let's talk a little bit more about what is a mind map and, and like, how do you develop it? I know people, a lot of people just envision a bunch of circles and lines, but there's more to it than that, right? <laughs> right. Uh, I guess it kind of depends on, on who you ask, because I, I shared with you uh, in preparation for this episode, uh, a mind map that I had put together from a book that I read by Tony Buzan called Mind Map Mastery. 
And he has very strict definitions of what a mind map is. <laughs> and uh, I think it's a little bit too, too literal? specific. Yeah, yeah. yeah literal, literal is a, a good way to, to describe it. Um, but if I were to, to describe a, a, a mind map, I think it's, it's anything that has a single idea in the middle and then connecting ideas that branch out from that. And uh, it doesn't matter what shapes you use, what colors you use, just the fact that you're showing these different connections in a spider web sort of diagram of these different ideas. Uh, that, it, to me, is a mind map. Yeah. I mean, I, I was thinking about this leading to today's show. And to me, a mind map is documentation of non linear thinking. So let me break that down, right? You, uh, it, it's a product, you make it it's something you can look at later. So it is kind of a documentation layer, but it's something that you do not feel obligated to make linearly, like, you know, in contrast with a traditional outline, right? You make the outline, you make the major point, then you write the points underneath it. A mind map for me is allowing you to make that a separate step. You know, with a mind map, you don't have to think about where anything fits but they're random thoughts and ideas related to some concept that you can just barf all over the page. And then later you can see how they connect as a separate thought process. Yeah. A wise man once said in uh, episode 82 of Mac power users that a mind map is uh, visually looking at ideas and their connections and relationships with each other. Which I, I like that a lot. That was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Yeah, but it is, it does work that way and it's different, right? Um, uh, I get into this conversation with people sometimes about, do you think visually or do you think more like in terms of words on a page and the test I always use with people. And if you've listened to me for a while, you've probably heard me say this before, but I always ask somebody when someone asks you for directions to your house, do you draw them a map or do you write down, you know, go down main street and take a left on, you know, first street, you know? Uh, for me, it's always been, I draw a map and I feel like that's like a tell where you're somebody who thinks about things about, um, graphically or, you know, visually, as opposed to more word-based thought. And if that's you, mind maps, and you're not using mind maps, you should really look into it. Uh, although I would argue that everybody should look at mind maps because it just gives you another angle to stuff. Yeah, exactly. I think another way to describe it maybe is like a right-brained version of the the standard outline that you're talking about, like make a list or or draw a map. And uh, you're right, you don't have to pick one or the other anymore. Uh, one of the things I love about MindNode specifically, I know we'll talk about apps in a little bit, but they've got the the mind map, but they also they also give you the outline, and you can export it a bunch of different ways. So it's the same information. You don't have to recreate it in a different format. You get both. Yeah, MindNode is is both is the mind mapping application. Spoiler here that both Mike and I use. And for years, I had a very complicated workflow where I would convert it to a computerized OPML format, which is fancy terms for a, 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 an open source outline format. And then I could move it between an outliner and mind map. But now MindNode actually has an outline function built in. So, like there may be certain points of something you're brainstorming that are linear and you can just literally go into the outline view in my note and fill it in. And then it shows up visually on the screen. 
And then the the magic is when you look at that, you're like, oh, you know what? That doesn't actually fit there. That fits somewhere else. And you just take your mouse and you drag it there. Or if you're on an iPad, you drag it over with your finger. But it'll, it really allows you to see things in a different way. An example of a mind map for me is I have a mind a node document um, that is called Max Sparky. And it is the entire empire, right? Um, I have like the t- people on the team. I have ideas for content. I have the Max Sparky labs and the field guides and the podcasts and how they all fit together. And this is a, f- I, I keep this in my note and it's a full screen document that I keep on a separate space. And I go over there and look at it sometimes to kind of figure out what I'm doing and where I'm spending my time. And it's constantly evolving because looking at it gives me new ideas on the way things fit together. You know, it's a nonlinear document of nonlinear. It's a document of nonlinear thought. And there's, you know, this is for my whole like livelihood now, but I've also made things like this about a presentation I'm going to give or a book I'm going to write or something. And it's just really quite helpful. Yeah. And it doesn't take a, a lot to get started with it. Uh, the process is pretty simple. You just take whatever thing you're noodling on, whether that's a problem that you're trying to solve or an article that you're going to write, or in your case with the Max Sparky, you know, you have the, the entire business emanating from Max Sparky Enterprises at the, the very beginning. And then you just kind of sort of add things around that as you think of them. And there's something magical about seeing those things pop up on the screen. It's not even like technically what you're doing with those, those nodes. If you're using my node, yeah, you can drag them around and you can have it create, you know, a bunch of different shapes and things like that, change it from horizontal to vertical in terms of the organization and stuff like that. But that's not necessary. It's just the fact that as you start putting these things on the canvas, spurs other ideas and you think of things that you would not have thought about without seeing these things from that perspective and this is really the value i think from mind note it's a different way of thinking or mind mapping a different way of thinking compared to an outline it's not necessarily better than the outline but there are things that you will see because you see those those related ideas those related nodes around that central topic You'll make connections. Your brain will go places that it won't go just by scrolling down a big, long outline. Yeah. And it really does help to have the freedom to drag and connect. You know, um, uh, fundamental features of a mind map is the ability to connect ideas in places where you wouldn't think they fit. Um, With pen and paper, you just draw a line. Uh, With the software tools, I think it's it's a little cleaner because you can just draw or drag a concept from one idea to another and then see what that does um the better applications uh, have the ability to also draw additional connections between things so you don't have to just choose one connection but putting that all together is is really quite helpful um people use them in different ways though like we we've been talking about what i would consider kind of like a traditional mind map but people also use them in a more of an outline format like i feel the book outlines Mike does are very linear outline formatted mind maps. Um, but I still like and prefer the look of it as a mind map, even though it's more, it, it, it would be something more akin to an outline. Sure. 
basically what you're describing is this process that I use for taking book notes. And uh, I have an article that I wrote on my website a while back, which I'll put in the show notes. But essentially what I do is I put the cover for the book in the middle and then based off of Mortimer Adler's How to Read a Book, he basically has this whole process for identifying the structure of the book because when you read a book, you're essentially engaging with the author and in a conversation. So when I go to take notes on a books that I read, I'm trying to wrap my head around what the author is really trying to say. So the best way to do that is to look at the table of contents and build out the main nodes, then different sections. A lot of productivity books have three different sections. So each one of those will be its own branch. Right. And then as I go through and I read the book, I will just jot down the things that stand out to me. There'll be a couple of exceptions. The one that I shared with you for Mind Map Mastery, uh, this was something that we covered for Bookworm. And there's a whole section here on the top 99 mind map applications. And I jotted all of those down, which <laughs> that's interesting in and of itself because he's obviously shooting for 99, but he has a duplicate in there. So it's actually only 98. <laughs> Wouldn't have caught that if I was trying to. If I wasn't trying to re- recreate that, but for the most part, I'm just jotting down the things that are standing out to me, the key ideas, and I've got a whole emoji system that I use to uh, to identify things. So, like page 59 of Mind Map Mastery, looking at that mind map right now, it says your mind maps will lead to the best results when your approach is lighthearted, colorful, and interesting. You know, so I've got quotes, I've got light bulb moments, like inspiration. You know. Uh, one of the things here is uh, humans have a nearly photographic memory when it comes to pictures, around 98%. Um, key ideas, I'll have a key emoji. Uh, if there's something that I want to do from something that I read, I'll, I'll create a task out of it. So I'll, it, I'll actually have like an action item associated with it. And that emoji uh, actually is really helpful when I go back to look at these mind maps again, because I don't want to reread the whole thing. Uh, I tend to just go to those colorful indications of these are the things that are important, which gets into a whole nother topic here with these, these mind maps, because um, there's, you can have a lot of different information in here, but it's kind of created in a way that leverages the way that you are wired to get the big idea quickly. Right. So if you're going to unfold everything and get all the text out there, it can be overwhelming, but you can fold things up and you can just kind of get the big ideas and you can do different things, different colors, different headings to kind of see how things are organized and grouped together. So you can sort of grok the information without having to go read it all again. Yeah. I mean, it, it really does pay off. And, uh, you know, I sound like I'm, I'm preaching about this, but it really is something that I have found tremendously useful since that first day the LA Superior Court. Um, people do these things not only with uh, paper or big sticky pads, you can also do it with a whiteboard or software. We're going to get in those tools in a little bit. Um, but uh, first, let's talk about mind maps and focus. This episode of the Focus Podcast is brought to you by Indeed. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Just go to indeed.com slash focused. When you're hiring for your business, there's usually a choice, hire fast or hire well. But what if you want to do both? Then you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, 
interview, and hire all in one place. So don't spend hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match Assessments and Virtual Interviews. And if you hate waiting, Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description in the moment they sponsor a job. And screenings and assessments are really great. With Indeed, you can select for the skills that matter. With Indeed assessments, you can pick from over 100 skill tests and add them to your job posts. That way, you can find candidates with the right skills fast. They take the stress out of the interview process, and candidates get to show their skills before the interview so you can dive deeper into talking about what's important to you. So join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. And that's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Do you need to hire? You need Indeed. Visit Indeed.com slash focused right now to start hiring. Just go to indeed.com slash focused. Once again, Indeed.com slash focused. Terms and conditions do apply. And our thanks to Indeed for their support of the Focus podcast and all of Relay FM. So we were talking earlier about the idea of a mind map versus linear thinking. And I really think that there's something to that in terms of not only just trying to think about structure, but think about ideas and then add structure later. Um, You and I were talking as we prepped for the show today about the concept of, of dimensional thinking. And I think this fits right in with that. Yeah. So Mind Map Mastery and Tony Buzan is typically the person who is credited with this idea of radiant thinking, which is different than linear thinking. And in that book specifically, he kind of talks about one-dimensional versus two-dimensional thinking and and how a list represents one-dimensional thinking and mind map represents two-dimensional thinking. And I can that that analogy makes sense to me. Uh, I think it's really powerful when you add additional dimensions, you get more thoroughly developed ideas, whatever those ideas happen to be uh, in service of as you're creating your your mind map, which by the way, you can use a mind map for just about anything. We'll probably get into some of the use cases later. But as I was thinking about this, I think this is the thing that fascinates me so much about all these connected note-taking apps, because I feel like that adds a third dimension. And I totally understand why some people think this is useless and I don't need this. You don't need to think three-dimensionally in whatever uh, whatever part of your life that you're coming to this, this application to solve. I think that's the, the mistake a lot of people make as they go into apps like Obsidian and, and Rome and Tana and whatever the next one is going to be, is uh, I, I need to do what this person does. And if I don't do that, then I don't have a use for this. Well, you do. It's just thinking about how additional context uh, and thinking about things different ways can actually Im- improve your life. Um, but I, I think if you really want to make the most of your ideas, you should be looking for additional tools and a different additional perspectives that are going to allow you to develop them more fully. Yeah. Yeah. And the third dimension of those apps is I feel like they make connections that you don't see, you know, the software Mm -hmm. essentially, it uses the knowledge you've already given it to make connections for you. And uh, that's cool. Right. But 
but even just at the mind map level, the idea that you you capture ideas without trying to connect them, and to me that is a critical part of this whole process. Is just just get the ideas out there. There's no time for judgment, no time for organization. It's just it, it, like I think it's like a one man brainstorm. You know, just like get the ideas on the page, and then see what comes of it. And uh, that to me is the big selling point for mind maps, but, but it is a type of focus as well. When I do these, I do find it very easy to get into, you know, flow state. It's really great in order to like get yourself there when you're like dealing with a problem, a presentation, a work project, uh, you know, something you're doing with the family. It, it can be applied to any, any project really. But just being able to like get the idea of saying, I'm not going to do any judgment here. I'm not going to make any lines. I'm going to be totally okay connecting this stuff or deleting this stuff later and just get it on the page. Um, that really helps. And that that is a different type of thinking than what I grew up with, where you tried to lay things out linearly. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think there's value in doing that for just about everybody. I think that there's a, that the definition of what is a knowledge worker has expanded quite a bit. And I think there are ways that you can apply this stuff that maybe are a little bit non-obvious. And that's what I want to encourage everybody to think about with this episode is how can I apply this to my own life? Where are the ideas that if I develop them are going to provide greater value for me? And it may be personally, it may be professionally, but there is some application where your brain tends to just latch on to the first obvious answer. And mind mapping is essentially an exercise which is saying, that's not good enough. I want to see what's really here. I want to dig a little bit deeper. And every single time that you do that, it's kind of amazing what your brain is able to come up with it. It's a, a lot like the, the, the thinking time concept that I heard about from Keith Cunningham in the, the book, The Road Less Stupid. He talks about how he doesn't need to do more smart things. He needs to do less dumb things. And when he just sets aside time to think about things, he can see things more clearly. Well, one of the ways that you can see things more clearly is by going through and creating a mind map and letting your brain unravel whatever it is that's causing it stress or anxiety. It's like, I don't really understand what this thing is. Well, put it on a mind map, spend even 15 minutes just kind of building that out and you're going to feel a lot better about it. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier that old Mac Powers episode. It was called um, "Cooking Ideas," and the other kind of insight I got from doing this is just that fifteen-minute session idea, where you just really just focus on a project problem idea for fifteen minutes and just dump as much as you can the mind map, and then come back to it after sitting on it, like letting your subconscious mind cook on it, and. Uh, there's just some magic that happens when you come back to it in a day or two days and you come back to it and suddenly you see new connections and you start moving things around the map. Maybe you add new elements to it. Maybe you make new connections, but this stuff really works. And the real payoff is not spending two hours in front of a mind map on one day, but spending 15 minutes on a mind map uh, over, you know, eight days. And you, the payoff is so much better when you do that. In fact, the more time you can put between those things, the better. If you've got 
a big project you're working on in three months, start the mind map today. And the benefit of some of the software tools is that you can go back to it anywhere. But even if you've just got a big whiteboard and you just go look at it every day, there's something the human brain does when you're away from this that makes when you come back to it a pure joy. And the idea of focus really lands there. Like once again, getting to flow state, I find extraordinarily easy with a mind map because I just pour myself into it and suddenly the rest of the world drops away and you don't have to do it for a long time. So 15 minutes is something most of us can do pretty well, but you're building the focus muscle. You're you, it's a, probably 15 of the best minutes you're going to spend all day uh, in terms of your own, your own production and success. And it's not that hard. I don't disagree with you that it would be better to spend 15 minutes a day over a, a period of time. But I do think that that is one way to leverage mind mapping. And it's not the the only way. Like one of my favorite applications of mind mapping has to do with uh, like fleshing out ideas for articles that I, I want to write. And a lot of times when I'm writing an article, it is because I have a deadline. And so some of the things that you just need to spend some time noodling on, the, the big picture stuff that you're talking about, that's the, the better approach. But uh, I would say that there are times when, let's say, you, you want to write that, that article, uh, it might be better just to short burst, spend two hours building out that mind map before you would sit down to, to write it. I've done that myself for just about every article that I have written in the last five years. I'll mind map it first, any significant article. If it's just you know a couple hundred words, maybe I'll sit down and bang that out. But if it's going to be like uh, I have a, an article on uh, the sweet setup that I wrote a while back on the best mind mapping app. And there's an example in that article of the mind map that I created for this article. This article is probably five, 6,000 words, a bunch of pictures. Um, but I have found that creating the mind map for a lengthy piece of content like that and just emptying my brain and getting all the ideas down in a mind map even if that takes me a couple of hours, it provides an exponential return on investment when I sit down to write. My, I have no, no um, statistics to, uh, to back this up, but I, I believe that every hour that I spend mind mapping a lengthy piece of content like this saves me about two hours if uh, compared to just sitting down and beginning to write. Uh, as the article gets longer, I've been in that place where scrolling through the document and I'm trying to find the things that are missing from the flow, you know, and I, I waste a whole bunch of time trying to do that, getting that, that last 20% of the, the thing done. Uh, creating the mind map first uh, allows me to get everything out there, arrange it all the way that makes sense. And then when I sit down to write, my, my brain is able to just fully engage with the actual process of, of writing because I've thought through the structure already. And it's not the type of thing where I kind of know what this is going to look like. I've already written it down. It, it's all, it already exists somewhere else. And so that allows me to just enter into that state of flow and just crank out the words. Um, it's, again, the word we <laughs> use all the time is magical, right? But it really is. It's, it's a totally different experience and there's way less stress when I do that, that work 
prior to sitting down to the the keyboard. Everybody has felt that stress. Anyone who writes staring at the blank cursor, I got to come up with something. Well, that basically disappears if you spend a little bit of time mind mapping first. Yeah, I'm. I just I feel like we're uh, we're just preaching to the choir with each other, but. All my field guides start out as mind maps. The books I wrote for Wiley Press, the you know the um, uh, iPad at work, Mac at work, those were those were mind maps. The just so much of this content that I ship in my life starts out as a mind map. And the thing that it does for me, because I do so much thinking about organization and concepts at that level, when it comes time to the production, I just make it. You know, I mean, there's no. Um, there's no hang up. You just execute at that point. And I find that very, uh, very powerful. And another angle to focus because like when you're planning while you're writing, your brain is being pulled in two different directions. It's really hard mm-hmm. to focus on writing well when you're not even sure what the organization is. And yeah, it's really hard to organize when you're trying to write. So it's just, it's just, you know, it gives you a way to break this stuff up. Essentially, what it is, is you you can say mind mapping is a focus tool, but really it's a flow tool. I think that focus and flow obviously are are related, but mind mapping for me is the thing that kind of triggers that flow state when it comes to the actual act of creating. Because a lot of times I don't view creating the mind map as the creative process. It's kind of priming the creative pump or sharpening the saw, if you want to think of it that way. But literally every single time that I do it, it makes getting to that elusive flow state so much easier. Yeah, I agree. But I would argue that the organization and planning in my mapping is a, just a different kind of flow. But by separating them, it allow it makes it an easier on-ramp either way. Absolutely. We've been talking a lot about MyNode. Uh, that's our choice. Um, this is not a show sponsored by MyNode or anything, but we both have just kind of independently uh, kind of fallen in love with the app. Uh, full disclosure, I think they sponsored Mac Power Users years ago, and I occasionally have done some video work for them, but um, not in the recent past. Um, but I just, I came to MindNode looking at a lot of other apps and kind of growing up in an environment where these apps were very expensive, and MindNode has always been very reasonably priced. But also, it just has a really nice, clean aesthetic that really connects with me. And they just do a really good job of adding features. You know, it's a group of people. It's not a single developer, but they put a ton of effort into making it the best possible app without making it too fiddly. Because I think a real risk with mind mapping applications is getting too fiddly about them and not using them for what they're they're best at, which is connecting ideas, you know. And um, they walk that line well. Uh, they were the first app, to my knowledge, to have a... a a simultaneous outline plus mind map on the screen that it builds automatically for you, which I find very useful feature. Um, They just, they've come up with a lot of cool, innovative features over the years, but I think the reason I love it most is because it's just easy to use and it looks good. (laughs) Yeah. You can't overstate the importance of that last part. It looks good because when it comes to mind mapping, personally, I think that, the user interface matters more here than just about any other type of application that you may use on any of your devices. Because when you are in a positive state, if the app that you are using for mind mapping brings you joy and has that fun, whimsical aesthetic, 
essentially what you're doing is you're playing with your ideas. And the user interface, I feel, goes a long way into helping you think better about the the things that you're you're trying to to consider via the mind map. Yeah. Uh, I, I love the way mine node makes it super easy. And this is not the only app to do this. So, you know, I'm not trying to like sell you this app, but like they use the tab key to create new nodes and they've got, if you hit three carriage returns, it adds a new uh, sibling node. Like I, there's a shorthand to this app that once you learn makes the uh, process of building it with a keyboard, super easy. But then when you go over to the iPad, uh, it interacts with touch just as easily. And I, I just think those are all real nice features. Yes. And the iPad specifically, maybe this is the place to talk about this. Uh, I feel like that's the best medium for working with mind maps because you've got a big canvas, but you can physically touch things and move them around on the screen. And there's just something that is it's a different experience than clicking on things and moving them with a mouse. Being able to physically touch your ideas creates this connection with them in a way that's hard to put into words. Uh, you can do it on on a phone as well, but an iPad with the, the larger canvas is really where this provides the most benefit, I feel. Yeah, it really does stand out as something with the iPad excels at. And, you know, even just using the pencil but or a keyboard or whatever, but having to lay hands on it and physically move things around with your finger, I think really, really pays off. But my, my note is not the only app out there. Uh, there are others. Uh, you can build them. I've done them in the past in OmniGraffle, which is more of a graphics app, but it has mind mapping applications built into it. Uh, an important feature to me in a lot of the stuff is what I'd say magnetic connections, where when you connect a node to something that the connection remains. Uh, if you do it graphically and you just draw a line between two boxes and you move one box, the line may not follow. A magnetic connection allows it to do so. And uh, that's something both OmniGraffle and MindNode do well. Um, there is an online service called Miro that I've worked with in the past that's more of a flowchart style web app but I feel like that's really good and you can mind map in that as well. What about Obsidian, Mike? Is Obsidian a good candidate for this? (laughs) Well, you can do it in Obsidian. There are some plugins that allow you to take your plain text outlines and display them via a mind map. Uh, I think you can even manipulate the the nodes of the mind map and have your, your outline be updated. But uh, Obsidian, in my opinion, is a better outliner than it is a a true mind mapping tool. Uh, i bring my mind maps into obsidian as like kind of long-term storage for my, my book notes and and things like that. But I don't think that's the place that I would recommend that, that you start with it. And really this is the, the thing you have to try this, right? If you have not tried mind mapping before taking an outline and displaying it via a mind map is not the same thing. (laughs) You've got to start with that blank canvas and you got to put an idea right in the middle, and then you got to build it out around that. So there are lots of other applications that do this. Um, one that I've used in the past, which is a great online option, especially if you want to collaborate with other people on mind maps, is MindMeister. And uh, there's a bunch of other ones out there. In fact, if you've got a setup subscription, I think you get 
X mind and I thoughts in addition to mind nodes. So you have your choice. You can figure yeah. out, you know, whichever one really clicks for you. But I think that everyone should should give this a give this a shot. Uh, I don't know what uh, I, I, we're going to get into some of the ways that we use mind maps uh, in a little bit. But I use this almost every single day. Uh, it's become an essential part of the the way that I work. This is not just a once in a while when I really need to solve a problem, I'll bust this out. How often do you use mind maps? In daily. I mean, that that show we did, I don't even know what year we recorded that cooking idea show for Mac Powers. It was episode 82, so I'm assuming it was about 10 years ago. I don't know. But um, it was a long time ago. And at that point, I'd been using mind, mind maps daily for a while, and that, that's never ended. And uh, I understand the point you made earlier about it's, you know, it's still good to spend two hours as opposed to 15 minutes. But the 15-minute thing for me is part of my daily structure. It's like I've got several mind maps I'm working at any time, and I love dipping into them, making them better, and then dipping out. And, you know, just like a short stay. And then when it's time to go into production mode, like right now I'm working on the obsidian field guide. That's the next big one I'm going to work on. And that's a mind map right now. And it's a big spider web of ideas and thoughts, but it's starting to get structure. And I think in not too distant future, I'll be recording on it. And uh, that this has all been the benefit of me, you know, going in there regularly and adding little bits as I go through it. And uh, the visual nature of it connects with me and, that was a very long answer to say I use it daily. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we're talking about a lot of different tools here, but really the point I wanted to make is like the tool almost doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, you should really just look for a way to, to build this into your, your workflow. And it doesn't even have to be an application. I mean, talked about analog stuff at the beginning. I've got a whiteboard in my office, which is typically where I will start building things out and add to things daily when I'm, creating a product. I just like having it up in my face all the time. I know you've got a great big monitor where you can kind of leave that stuff up, but yeah, a whiteboard serves the same purpose for me. Another way to do this mind mapping thing, we were talking about like a, a whiteboard or piece of paper. You could digitally do that as well. And, and this is where you don't have a tool that was made to do mind mapping, but you can still do it. And that's literally any drawing application, you know? Uh, anything that you can draw digitally with, you can make a mind map out of. Um, right now, we're in the beta process with Apple. They have a new app called Freeform that I'm starting to experiment with. It's early beta, but I think you could mind map in this. But um, there is a family of what I would call infinite canvas apps, which is an infinite piece of paper you can draw on or or a very big piece of paper. You know That works too. But there's digital tools for that that work as well. The advantage of those over the piece of paper is you can still move things around on it, even if they aren't you know magnetically connected. But if you like to use a pencil, that's another advantage. There's just so many ways to do this, and I guess that's the point we're just trying to make here. Uh, even though we both use MyNode, use whatever one connects with you. But um, but do try this workflow out. Yeah, try it. Try an app. Try a whiteboard. Try a big piece of paper on your desk, like like you did. You know, but I would argue uh, if you've tried it before and it hasn't really worked for you, you probably just haven't found the right medium or the right tool. Uh, I tend to be a very analytical, logical, left brain type of person, which typically they would gravitate towards the outlines. 
but I have seen the light in terms of mind maps. And uh, I feel like this is the kind of, and the kind of tipping point or moment of enlightenment that everyone has the potential to have with this tool. I don't think this is something that is just for a certain group of creative folks. This is something that everybody can leverage. This episode of Focused is brought to you by Sofa. When you hear about a great new TV show, book, or podcast, what do you do? You scribble it down in your notes or maybe in your to-do app? In any case, you likely forget about it and instead you feel stuck not knowing what to watch, listen, or to play next. So next time you hear a great new recommendation, try throwing it in Sofa. With the Sofa app, you can create lists of almost anything. Podcasts, apps, books, board games, movies, TV shows, music albums, and video games. You can then use these lists to decide your next book to read, movie to watch, or video game to play. Sofa's design is inspired by some of the best productivity apps out there, but focused on helping you to be more intentional with your downtime. You really don't want to keep track of this stuff in your regular to-do manager because this is your downtime. Who wants reminders of work tasks when you're trying to unwind? So instead, use Sofa and get a dedicated place for organizing your downtime. With Sofa, you can create unlimited lists, sync your data with iCloud, track your activity, and more completely free. If you're looking for more power, you can upgrade to Super Sofa, which allows you to customize lists with cover images and descriptions, add sticky notes to items, see your stats in the activity, prioritize items with the shelf, and personalize the look and feel with over 100 different themes. I have struggled with this myself. I used to try to keep book recommendations in particular in my task list, and it never really worked for me. So the next thing I tried was putting it in a notes app. And what I ended up doing was not managing these things at all. Now, if I think that there's a book that I want to read when someone recommends it, my default is just to buy it right away because I know I'm going to forget about it. But with Sofa, you can put things in there and it's not just the books that you want to read. We play a bunch of board games too. So I really like the fact that you can add board games to Sofa as well. We'll do research. We've got hundreds of board games at my house, but we'll find something new on Board Game Geek and we'll want to remember to try that out. And a lot of times I'll just forget about it unless I add it to an app like Sofa. What I really like about Sofa is the user interface. It's got enough features where you can track things in these different lists and it's smart enough to know that the things that you listen to could be podcasts or audiobooks, for example. But it doesn't burden you with a whole bunch of features and a whole ton of metadata. It is very easy to get things into Sofa when you want to just jot something down so you don't forget about it later. That's really the whole point. I know that there are hundreds of things that I did not jot down just because it was too much trouble to decide where to put those things and those recommendations now are lost forever. But with Sofa, this is really, really easy. I definitely recommend that you give this a shot and Sofa is available for iPhone, iPad, and Apple Silicon Macs. So start organizing your downtime today by heading over to sofahq.com slash focused, F-O-C-U-S-E-D. That's S-O-F-A-H-Q.com slash focused to download the app and get more out of your downtime. Our thanks to Sofa for their support of Focused and all of Relay FM. So what are some other ways that you personally are using 
mind maps in your day-to-day work, David? It's a combination of categories, really. I I would say the first one is problems and and, uh, concepts I'm working through. You know, uh, when I say problems, it sounds like, you know, only trouble, but it's really more like things I'm trying to solve. Like I was just looking through my history here and I have a mind map here called Why Max Sparky. And a year ago, I was going through the process of deciding to, you know, change my career. And I had made a decision that I knew was right for me, but I'm the, I knew at my gut level before I knew it kind of more on the practical level, why I wanted to make that decision. This is of course, when I stopped being a lawyer and kind of went full time with this stuff. And I opened a mind map on it and just started dumping ideas in it earlier. I, I think I called it vomiting ideas on the page. That's really what I do. I just keep putting anything randomly that occurs to me and looking at this now, I hadn't opened it in about a year. It really, uh, it's a nice memory trip down memory lane, but it also makes sense to me what I was thinking through. And it, it gave me a way to kind of work through that stuff and use more than just my gut to make a decision. Um, and, uh, so I, I use them for things like that, you know, when I'm trying to work my way through problems. Um, I often use them as I've mentioned through the show on projects. Um, when I do a, a, any kind of project, there are pieces to it that occur to me immediately, but there's always angles to it that I haven't thought through. And I don't want to discover those angles at the end of the project. I want to discover them at the beginning. You know, this stuff is always cheaper in terms of time, money, and, and mental energy if you identify it at the beginning. So uh, I'm a big fan of taking my time with getting started on projects and using mind maps as my primary tool to make sure I identify all the speed bumps that I feel like I might hit along the way. Now, is that a guarantee that I'm not going to find a speed bump? No, but I find a <laughs> lot of them that way that I wouldn't find otherwise. Yeah. Project management. Uh, I know people actually manage projects via mind maps and I don't think I would would really do that, but it's definitely invaluable for the beginning stages of figuring out what exactly is this project. Uh, I do that as well. Uh, I've already talked about like the writing projects and just jotting down everything that I can think of when I sit down to write an article. And that's a lot of times I go into those articles knowing this is what this is going to be. So a lot of like the sweet setup stuff is the best whatever app. I know exactly the angle that I'm coming at this with. But there are other projects where I don't really know what this is This is going to be. And just looking through my MindNode um, iCloud, you know, the dates go back to 2013. <laughs> and I've got things in here like home improvement projects. We finished off uh, a bedroom in our, our basement for my oldest two boys. And there's a, a MindNode document, which is just a place to capture all the ideas for what we want that room to to look like. And uh, there's a, a lot of uh, notes in here on just like products that I've created. I'll have an idea for a product, like the personal retreat handbook sort of a thing, you know, put that in the middle and then I'll build out the nodes and it becomes clear as I do that. This is where the different videos should be or the different modules and how things group together and the key points that I want to make sure are, are in those videos. I've got a lot of projects here for like talks and webinars that I have done in the past. One of my new favorite applications for, <laughs> for uh, mind maps is uh, occasionally, I'm, I'm an elder at our church, and occasionally I will get asked to preach. 
And I have discovered that when I am preaching, I'll do all this, this prep and I'll have all these notes and I'll never get through everything. And if I do it in an outline format, I'm constantly jumping up and down in the notes, trying to relocate and figure out, you know, where's, where's the, the flow right now and what should I be, what should I be focusing on? But when I have it in a mind map, I can kind of see all that stuff and it's all broken down by the different colors and the different branches and I find it's a lot easier for me to let go of the outline and be in the moment. And I can go back to that and I can attach to you know the, the different colored branches and pick up my place a lot more easily using a, a mind map than I, I would an outline. Yeah. I really think that like to me, a mind map is a place that I go to start big things. You know, like a lot of the biggest things in my life, whether they're life decisions or projects, have started life as a mind map. And for all the reasons we've been talking about through today's episode, I find that a really great place to start because it just gives me a pause between idea and execution. It's so easy when you have an idea, a big idea particularly, to say, oh, this is a great idea. I'm going to write a novel about elves. And then you sit down and you start saying there once was an elf named whatever. Right. And then very quickly you run into all sorts of trouble <laughs> uh, with a yeah. mind map. It gives you that pause place to, to say, no, no, I'm actually planning my elf story right now. And I'm going to start, you know, making ideas and structure to it. And uh, I find that that really useful. That's the reason why like you, I've been making them for years. And, uh, and I really, uh, I really think people should be doing more of it. What, what, what is not a mind map to you? Like a traditional outline, for instance, why wouldn't someone say, well, that's a mind map for me. I'm just going to go fill in the individual branches of an outline as the ideas occur to me. Is that a mind map? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, I, I think that there are definitely places where I'm going to go to a list instead of a mind map. And those are going to be essentially like a checklist type things, like a packing list, for example, makes more sense as a checklist than, rather than a, a mind map. Although Tony Buzan would make the, the argument that you can apply this in just about any arena. Uh, I do think some of these just don't make a, a ton of sense. Something where you need to go through and make sure that you follow a set number of steps in a specific order. Uh, that sequential nature of the the project, I think, is is not going to lend itself well to a a mind map, just because it's fighting against the the value that the mind map brings, which is the fact that you can see all this stuff at any given moment and you can jump between the different sections. If you have to go in a certain order, then that's something that should probably not be a mind map. Yeah, um, I think that you know people get too hung up on the semantics of all this stuff. The idea is to have a pause point for these ideas and you can do it with an outline. I think I just feel like it, it, it you're, um, you're playing to the wrong strengths with that software. Yep. And, and if you want to get the advantages we're talking about, a traditional mind map application is going to make that a downhill walk. Whereas if you try and do it in something like a word processor or an outliner, it's an uphill walk. So I'm not arguing that you can't do it but you're making yourself walk uphill when you don't need to. Exactly. Something like meeting notes, I think would be another one where you've got a specific agenda. You got to follow a, a certain order. Could you do that in a mind map? Yeah. 
but generally speaking, I think you're better better suited with the uh, the outline format there. Another thing I wanted to talk about a little bit was just kind of like, okay, so we've got these things we do with them. What, let's walk through the process a bit. I'll tell you for me, uh, a new idea or a new project or whatever starts just as a single node with the name of it. And then I just start creating individual nodes on the screen of things around the idea. And uh, for example, like when I was saying why Max Sparky, I put the word spiritual and I didn't know really where that fit, but I knew that was something I wanted to think about in relation to that decision. You know, and then I put another thing, economical or financial, you know, and then like, so I've got all these things floating around and then eventually they do start getting structure and using software just with about any software that does this, you can just drag them on top of another node and they connect. Uh, the language generally uses parent and sibling. You know, if it's, if it's underneath a note, that's the parent note. If it's below it, that's the child. And if it's in the same level, it's a sibling. So I start drawing those around, but I never think of them as set in stone. As I continue to look at it, a lot of times I'll move nodes around and say, well, this is actually a sub point of this other thing. Or maybe this is a major point and needs to be broken out into its own node. Or maybe this is something I don't think fits anywhere yet. And I'm just going to pull it off to the side and come back to it. And so for me, it's a very organic process of developing these. So at any point that I open a node um, or a mind map, I will I will have various stages of things connected and disconnected. And the workflow for me is just to kind of look at it all and see what fits. My process is pretty similar, especially with something that I'm trying to flesh out. What exactly is this thing? Uh, I will put the main topic in the middle and then I will start to build things out. And almost every single time I'll have a couple of main ideas and I'll be building out one of those main ideas. So I've got this, the central, the, the main node in the middle, and then I've got a child node off of that, which let's just say it's, it's red, right? Cause my node has all the different colors Yeah. and then I'll be building out that red branch and I'll have a whole bunch of child nodes beyond that red branch. And I'll realize actually one of these things is big enough that it should be a, another main branch of this mind map. And so I'll do exactly what you described. I'll take that node and I'll drag it over to the main node and then it will create a another branch in a whole new color and I'll continue to develop things that way. Uh, one of the other things that I think is important as you're building out mind maps, and I don't know if you do this a whole lot, but one of the things that you can do with with MindNode is and other apps too, you can connect nodes uh, across different parts of the the diagram. And it's almost like you just draw an arrow from this node to this other node to show that these are related ideas. Do you use that much? All the time, all the time, especially as I'm thinking through things. And uh, it's a, I use it as a, it's a dashed line and uh, I'm always looking at those connections. Yeah, I think those are important and it's uh, easy to just forge ahead without looking for those connections, which again, this is kind of like the, the, the beauty of the third dimensional thinking and, and tools like Obsidian, you know, I, when I take my book notes, I will export that actual mind map. I'll drop that into the note, but I'll also export all of the text and then I'll build that out. And some of those will become their own nodes and their own notes. And, and that will uh, build out that, that whole local graph 
based off of that that one core note, which is the the notes from the the book. That's essentially the same sort of thing. This is related to that, right? And so there's different ways that that you can do this, but I feel like you're you're missing out on the full value if you're not looking for those types of connections. Yeah. Uh, another tip I would give is try to avoid doing outlining style work in a mind map. Like for instance, if you're if your idea or project is starting to get get legs, this is particularly tempting like when you're writing and you say, well, I'm going to put like numbers in front of each one. Like this is section one and section two. I feel like that is uh, is not good in a mind map because that starts to close your brain down to the idea of saying, well, what if something fit between section one and two? Or what if this other idea should go up there ultimately? And anytime you like start adding structure, like an outline style structure to it, without having the ability to to change that structure, uh, you you're creating friction for yourself, and that defeats the purpose of all this. Um, so that's something I try to avoid, and, and that's a trap I have fallen into in the past. Um, a lot of the better tools, the software tools, allow you to reorganize at will, and uh, that is the reason why I prefer to do it in software over analog tools. Frankly, is that that constant reorganization and just move on uh, is really helpful. Yeah, I remember back in the day, you mentioned the really expensive programs. Um, for me, the the one that is still pretty expensive, uh, but was always available is MindJet Manager. And the killer feature for that was that uh, you could automatically clean up your mind map, right? Yeah. You drag something to a different section and everything kind of shifts to accommodate that. And uh, that was a really big deal. But now just about every application that you would use for mind mapping is going to allow you to do the, the same sort of thing. Um, one other thing you've mentioned a few times that I wanted to touch upon was it, this has been primarily an individual process for me, uh, creating mind maps. I don't necessarily collaborate on those a lot. Although I do find it helpful to share them once in a while. And it sounds like you do as well. What, how do you share them and how do you use that like as a feedback mechanism with other people? Well, when I'm going to collaborate with people on mind maps, I've always used MindMeister. That's the, the best one that I've found because it just allows both people to have edit access to the, uh, the mind map and you can both kind of flesh things out in, in real time. Um, the other, I guess, group application for mind mapping is uh, if you're, I'm going to do this live with a, a group of people, sometimes we'll share screen to a, a conference room TV or something. And then as people are throwing out ideas, I'll build the mind map live so people can, can see things take shape. But if I'm just going to create something and I'm going to share it with somebody afterwards, I'm going to use MindNode myself and they allow you to export it a lot of different ways. Ones that I use most often are exporting an actual MindNode file so I can share that with somebody and they can build off of what I did if they really wanted to do that. But we're not passing that back and forth in terms of iterating on the idea. It's just, hey, can I get access to the mind map that you created so I'll, I'll export it so that they can open it on their own devices. Uh, or I'll just export the image as a PDF so we have a, a shared knowledge base as we communicate via zoom or a phone call or something on the content in that that mind map 
Uh, my note also has this this cool. I think maybe it's still a beta feature the where you can embed things, and uh, I will do that. I'll embed my own mind maps um, using the the HTML embed codes inside of Obsidian, so you can kind of navigate those mind maps in the little window, zoom in, zoom out, fold things, things like that. Yeah, there's there's lots of different ways, um, but I think if you're if you're gonna have there's limited options if you want to actually have back and forth in the mind map itself. Otherwise, uh, just about every application is going to allow you to export it in some way, shape, or form as an image so you can discuss it. Yeah. And I, the way I do that with uh, my team when I'm working on something that they want to see or need to see is my node has a web-based publication. Like you can publish it to the web, which I believe might be a security through obscurity. It's like a very unique link or something. But the um, I share that link with the team and they can see what I'm working on and how it's developing. They can't actually edit it, but they do give me feedback on it you know, as they see it. Yeah, that's that's a, a really cool feature and uh, underrated, I would I would argue. <laughs> yeah, uh, I wish there were more applications that allowed you to have those public web views, because the value of that is that you can make changes to that mind map. And you can publish those to that public URL that you've shared. Yeah. And when you do that, they get the updated version of it. It's not a, a separate URL that they have to use every single time. Nice stuff, man. It's nice. I uh, I feel like we have been really banging the drum hard for mind mapping, but that is because uh, we're both passionate about it and it's helped us a lot. Um, hopefully today, if you've not used mind maps, we've inspired you to give it a try. If you do use them, maybe we can give you a few tricks that will help you do it as well. But, you know, in a world where it is hard to stay focused, a mind map to me is very much uh, a nice place to go because it makes it very easy for me to get focused. Maybe you call that um, uh, intentionality or uh, you call it, you know, the separation of these processes. But I, I find it very easy to go in there and really get lost in an idea or a project and then be able to come back out of it later. And I like that. Yeah, this is a, a essential focus tool. And um, like I mentioned earlier, I would just encourage people, big takeaway from this would be look for more areas to try mind mapping and see what sort of benefit it can provide you. If you're not doing it very much, don't consider it something that you just keep in your, your bag of tricks for when you absolutely need it. Look for ways that you can make this a more regular part of your your workflow because I think everyone can benefit from thinking non-linearly. All right. We are the Focus Podcast. You can find us at relay.fm slash focused. Our sponsors today are Indeed and Sofa. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, Stick around for Deep Focus if you're a subscriber. If not, you should check it out. You get an ad-free version of the show plus a little extra content. On Deep Focus today, we're going to talk about um, my mind map that I made when making my decision to leave the law practice behind me. I thought that'd be kind of fun to talk about the elements of that. So we'll do that. And uh, otherwise, we'll see you next time.